Hey there, this is Noah Tobias on the campus of Huntington University. You're listening to Rooted, an in-depth conversation with interesting people and topics that matter to the Forrester family. Make sure you subscribe to Rooted on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. You can find us by searching Forrester Radio Rooted. Also, you can catch Rooted every Thursday evening at 7 on 105.5WQHU. Today, I am joined by Morgan Miller. Morgan is a senior public relations major here at HU. Uh, And Morgan, thank you so much for joining me here today. No problem. I'm really excited. (laughs) So, you know, you've been involved in a lot of different things around campus, uh, like from the Huntingtonian to being the social media director, basically, for the HU men's soccer team. Mm -hmm. What are a couple of things that you really love to do around campus? Um... It's really hard for me to, like, single out one thing that I really love about what I do. Um, But throughout, like, all I do, because, yes, I do, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Huntingtonian. I've worked really closely with men's soccer and FDN News. Um, My favorite thing overall is being connected, Um, more of, like, the the behind-the-scenes kind of person so I work with Lynette Fager who is the director of communications and PR specialist for Huntington University and she's really um and want to aspire to be in my career after college and so she's taught me a lot of things about social media communications um and just like the corporate corporate world after graduation so um that's probably my favorite thing that I do and it really kick-started everything else that has really panned out throughout my last two years here at HU. So two years ago, yeah, in the summer of 2017, mm-hmm. you know, there was a big event that really impacted your life, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about that event. So it was the summer before my junior year here at HU. Um, I, like ever, normal college students, I was working a summer job. Um, it was... It was July 1st. I woke up normal, whatever, um, and my dad was in a really terrible accident. He was training for an Ironman with a few of his friends, and I'm from southern Indiana, so it's a lot hillier um, than around here at HU, and he would train in the hills and stuff, and he was bike, he was biking um, in the area with a few of his friends, and he lost traction on the road and had a collision in, with an SUV. Um, he was instantly paralyzed from the um, nipples down, and it was really traumatic for everyone in our family and, like, all of my friends and everything like that. So, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> so how did you hear about it? Because he was... Obvious, like you obviously weren't with him. Yeah. Like he was with a couple of your buddies, but like, did they call you? Did the hospital call you whenever they brought him in? Yeah. So, um, it this whole this whole weekend and like sequences of events was pretty crazy because it was July first. My birthday is on July sixth. So, me and my family had made plans to like do a few things because it was my twenty first birthday. Um. And that's a huge birthday. So, yeah, we were making plans. Like, I was having friends that were going to come, like, into the New Albany and stuff. And um, it was a Sunday morning. I woke up 
I came downstairs and me and my mom were hanging out like watching TV or something um, and my dad wasn't home. He would, he'd been training since like eight in the morning. It was around 11 o'clock and um, my mom got a call from one of the women who was biking with him, who was a family friend, her name was Tara, and we got a call, it was around, like, 11, and she was like, hey, Stacy, it's Tara, like, Dave wrecked on his bike, we, I'm taking him to the hospital right, or my husband is taking him to the hospital right now, I'm gonna come and pick you up, um, just letting you know, you might want to, like, put on clothes, whatever. So, my dad and I are very similar. We're very clumsy people. And um, with the triathlon bikes that he rides, you have to, like, clip your feet into the pedals. And he's had a few accidents where, like, he lost he's lost his balance and, like, fallen over. So in my head, I'm like, okay, Dad, like, you just fell over and, like, broke your arm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, nothing crazy. And um, while we were driving to the hospital, it was in Louisville, he, um, she was telling us, like, yeah, he, like, he got in an accident, like, it's, everything's gonna be okay, like, but blah, 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 she was like, I have his bike and all of his equipment, because this equipment that he was using is very expensive, and, um, and this was my dad's, like, life, like, he, his hobby, like, this was golfing to him, like, a normal dad loves to golf, but my dad loved to run and bike and swim, so, all of his extra money and, like, his passion and love went into this sport. And so she was, like, reassuring, like, everything, like, everything that you need to, small things that you need to worry about, like, we have that handled, blah, blah, blah. And she was, like, um, we, she was just, like, everything's going to be fine. It's fine. We get there, and it's a lot worse than what we thought. Um, we go into his room, and he's bloody all over his nose is broken he can't feel anything from like his shoulders down um he's got like I don't even I don't even remember most of the stuff because I tried to block this out but like it was crazy to go in there and see your dad in such a way that you would never expect your dad to look because he's the person who like in my family who's always like the backbone and like the strong one and who who protects you and like when you're hurt he's the one who like is stable and seeing him in a way where like you couldn't even do anything was crazy like mind-blowing and it was it was so intense and like sad at the same time because you just don't it's so hard to explain because you don't know what that feels like until you experience it and like there's no way for me to even like try to explain it in a way because my words could not even like co like come close to like how my experience was with just that first day kind of looking back on everything were you happy that on the way to the hospital Tara didn't necessarily say like she didn't come out and say everything that happened and all of his injuries she just calmly like said just like the little things because I mean you guys would have been bawling the oh, entire yeah. way oh yeah my mom is a uh, an a-type personality so like if I'm very thankful for Tara and her husband Dwayne and the other person that was there his name is um oh my god 
Dwight. It's my dad's best friend. My friend, my dad's best friend, Dwight. Um, <laughs> they were all there, and they handled it the best way that I think anybody could because, first of all, Tara and Dwayne are vets, and the way that they first at Impact was incredible. They knew how to, like, help him, and the protocol where, like, you don't move him, you make sure that he's, like, he's conscious and stuff like that and the way that Tara was able to like know how my mom reacts to stressors like that where she handled it in a way that she knew that my mom would responded well to it because if she would have told my mom right away like crazy like called her up and like Dave's been in a really bad accident he can't move like we're taking him to the hospital blah 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 my mom would have lost it like completely and I think that was one of the big things that helped my mom transition into the support system for my dad today um, because she was able to really like absorb everything and be like this is how I need to transition yes this is a sad thing that has happened to my husband that I never thought would happen to my husband but I have to be the one to take care of him now instead of like instead of what he's been doing for me for the past 25 years. So, yeah, she took it in such a great way that again, I don't I don't know if she realizes how much I appreciate it as a daughter that she was able to translate such a terrible thing like within the first hour because I cannot even imagine what she saw that day happening to, like, one of her best friends, my dad, and being able to control your emotions in that way for somebody else's benefit, so. Have you talked to Tara and Dwight and Tara's husband about, you know, like, everything that happened that day, or have you guys just kind of, like, put it to the back of your minds and things? Oh, yeah, we... It was crazy because whenever we came into the ER, the trauma center first, um, it was it was really funny, actually, looking back at it. But, like, we got in there and, you know, Dwight and Dwayne um, were in their biker gear, which is, like, spandex shorts <laughs> and, like, the tight shirts. And they had, like, their helmets and their gloves on. And they looked like freaking idiots. And um, we... They, we, throughout, like, this whole thing, even, like, after I first saw my dad, we talked about, like, what happened and how they responded and how, like, grateful I am because not only have they been with my dad and supporting my dad since the accident, literally since it happened, to even today. Like, Dwayne and Tara constantly try to keep my parents involved in, like, the parent hangout things. I mean, it's really hard for my parents to be able to hang out and, like, be, like, normal because my dad literally, like, he gets so uncomfortable. He's really tired. Like, he goes through things that normal people don't have to go through. So it's hard for them to feel normal, my parents. And Dwayne and Tara always invite my parents to come to, like, hang out and, like, do, like, the old things that they used to do together. And, um... 
Dwight, my dad's best friend, he, like, takes my dad to the Y, like, every day. They work together, so, like, he's constantly connecting with my dad about, like, work stuff and, like, making sure that he knows, like, all the new kids that get hired on and, like, I don't know. I feel like I don't think I've ever been, like, I'm so thankful for what you've done for my family, but I think just, like, through communications and, like, I'm not the kind of person to be thank you so much and like hug them and stuff but just like how I'm constantly talking with them and like making sure that they know that I appreciate them and stuff like that it's I think yeah but it makes me think that maybe I should say something to them to the point where it's like I'm grateful and you've done things so you're invisible people in like a retrospectum of like what's going on but these little things that you're doing really make a difference for my parents. Does your dad know, like, does he remember exactly what happened or was it, is it just kind of a blur to him? So when my dad, my dad remembers everything now. He was conscious through the whole thing. So he never, I guess, went out. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't remember in the beginning because I just think of like this trauma and stuff. But since it happened, like, almost like a year and a half ago um he has slowly like remembered and like he his like first memory that I remember him telling us about like while we were still in like the ICU and stuff is that he remembers hitting the vehicle and laying down on the concrete road and being like in his head he was like ow that really hurt and then seeing this puddle of blood and wanting from his like broken nose and him wanting to be able to move like move his hands and he couldn't move his hands so yeah it's really I oh my gosh I can't even imagine like the trauma and like the constant nightmare and fear that my dad battles with every day it's not like you My dad isn't the kind of person who really ever understood mental health problems. My mom has struggled with um, some issues throughout her life, and it's contributed into mine um, just through, like, genetics and stuff. But he has never—I don't think that he's ever really understood the issue of mental health until this has happened. Um, He's— It's so sad to say, but, like, my dad is scared constantly of death now. Um, Just, like, that's how I see it. Um, He, I just, or he's scared of losing people because it was so, we were so close to losing him and him losing his own life where any small thing he's scared to do. Like, we wanted, like, me and my mom over Christmas break or Thanksgiving break, no Christmas break, we wanted to go see Bohemian Rhapsody. My dad loves Queen and rock Mm. music in the 80s and stuff, and so does my mom. And I had already seen it with a few friends here at HU, but I was like, we have to go see it. It's so good. And he was terrified. He did not want to go because it was a new thing that he hadn't done. And we still have not gone to the movie theater, and it's February. So... It's small things like that and, like, the constant, like, any time that I leave the house, even if I'm if I'm at my parents' house and I'm just going to the grocery store, like, filling up my gas tank, he's like, be careful. 
you know, because he's he was so he was so close to losing his own life. And that scared the crap out of him. It scared all of us. So, like, for the longest time, even now, like, you can see in his face when he's, like, scared to do something. How many days in a row did he spend in the hospital? Um, I think it was about two months. Um, so after his accident, he was in the ICU for, I think, three weeks. And... Luckily, this was in the summer, and my mom works for the school corporation in New Albany, so she had the summer off, um, or, like, long sections of the summer off, so she was able to stay the night with my dad throughout the ICU process, and then once they, he had, like, a few surgeries, and his swelling went down and stuff, and he began eating again. They moved him to Fraser, which is the rehab hospital and facility. And um, during that time, I think he was there for around a month. Me, my mom, and my brother would switch off days of spending the nights with him because he sleeping was not a thing that he could do because of the nightmares and all the medication that he was on and everything. So we would constantly like switch days and... I saved a lot of money on gas, which was nice because I didn't have to drive 20 minutes to Louisville every day for work. I was already in Louisville, so that was kind of fun. But, yeah, and we got to experience a lot of hospital food in those two months. But whenever he was able to, um, whenever they got, like, the insurance stuff fixed about, like, getting um, things at home and he was able to, like, sit up himself, that's when they transitioned him to living at home. And now my my parents dining room is now my dad's hospital room which is kind of funny he has like his own hospital bed and um and my parents house is like transformed into a new place because everything had to be transformed into wheelchair accessible accessible so like we have a huge wooden ramp inside of our garage and there's no doors on anything in the first floor so my dad can, like, get around and stuff. How many surgeries has your dad had to have? Oh, my gosh. Um, a lot. Yeah. He was the kind of guy who, typical dad, where, no, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm sick. No, I'm not going to the doctor. And you know what I mean? And it's really bit him in the butt because, literally, I can't even count the surgeries that he's had. He's had spinal surgery. He's had vertebrae fixed. He's had um, multiple, he's had hand surgery. Um, like, is this, like, all on his nerves, or, like, do you, or do you even know? Um, his back was broken, and so was his vertebrae, so they literally, he has a metal rod in his back. And um, for his hand, it was, he had to get cut, or he had to get tendons cut in his hands because um, with the spinal cord injury that he had, you're either really tensed up with all of your muscles or you're really loose. And his left hand, no, his right hand is a really tight muscle. And with his job, he has to type and write. So what they had to do is that they had to cut into his tendons in his hand to release that pressure 
And so for the past um, three or four months, he's been rehabbing his hand so he can get mobility back in his hand. Because that is the, like, his hand is, like, one of the last things that's really, like, slowing him down with becoming, like, really independent. Because once he can get the stability of both of his hands, he can start walking on his own with crutches. He can go back to work. Um, He can just like take care of himself brush his own teeth with his normal hand and stuff like that but throughout all of that he has to relearn how to do everything so like he's writing his name all over again he has to learn how to brush his teeth he has to learn how to put his shirt on he has to learn how to tie his shoes all over again because that muscle memory is gone so what has he been doing Physical therapy-wise, occupational therapy-wise, I, I guess, what has that been looking like here recently? So he, um, in Christmas break, so around like December, Feb- no, December or January, he um, graduated from going to physical therapy every day. So he was going five days a week and like from 9 a.m. to like 1 or like 11 to 3 and now what he does is that he goes to the same rehab facility, which is Fraser in Louisville, but he's going to a different floor. And so what it is, it's just kind of like a gym with therapists there. So they set goals for him every day that he goes. And they're like, maybe today you should work on sitting up or maybe today you should work on tying your shoes or like putting on a shirt. And then they'll give him time to go do that and once he's done that like three or four times successfully then he'll go and they'll give him another task and then those other two days that he's not going to the hop to the gym in Louisville um like friends or relatives will take him places like maybe to the YMCA so he can lift like a few little dumbbells to gain his muscle mass back and stuff like that so Um, He's really trying to find little hobbies that he can do because it's a lot of time at home, um, which he hates. He hates sitting down. He's the kind of dad who is constantly like cooking or mowing the lawn or doing something in the house or working. So he actually like really wants to start a podcast because throughout like this whole journey, he's listened to a lot of podcasts about like different spinal cord injuries and like different ways that like people have um successfully gotten their life back to normal and it's all of the podcasts that he's listened to are ones that are like the medical side and yes it helps him relate and feel normal and that he's not the only one but he wants to be that person who creates the podcast of a patient and like where he can talk about like mental health and like his struggles and like kind of document what he's going through and that if anybody else who's struggling like him can relate to him and like create like that positive audience that he needed so long ago. So what does the long-term recovery process look like or is it just kind of depending on him like when he again gets the stability in his hands and stuff what, mm-hmm. what's that looking like? So I talked and me updates just like randomly and um he texted me a few weeks ago and he was like I just lifted like two pounds with dumbbells and like that's so huge because he could maybe lift like a pencil and like with his hands he they don't like grip around things it's more of like pinching with like your fingers because he doesn't really have that flex yet 
And um, so just him being able to grab around a dumbbell and being able to lift it is crazy. And he his goal is to be able to go to work, I think, in April, which he's not been to work in over like a year and a half. So that means that he's going to have to get mobility in his fingers and be able to do things like um, teaching because he's going to have to transition into teaching instead of actually doing the job. So it's kind of like a huge transition where it's just how his hand is progressing, really. And if it progresses like we want it to, doors will open faster. And if it doesn't, then doors will slowly creak open. So has this accident changed, you know, your thought process towards life at all? I mean, you talked a little bit about your dad and how it's definitely taking life more, not necessarily more seriously, because it's not like he wasn't before, but he's just kind of worried about life more. But what about you? I think it's really changed my perspective on life. Um, I've dealt with a lot of um, mental health problems throughout my life. And um, it was interesting seeing somebody who is so strong be so weak who's normally so stable and at least like to me and it really made me think of like there might not be be a tomorrow where I there's all these things that I want to do like have a career and have a family have a husband and be healthy but like who knows if that's even going to happen so I think it's really made me think about how you don't really know and that you can take I need to take more chances and think about the bright things because there's really no point to being sad because why would you want to live your last day sad when you could live it happy? And um, it just, it's a weird concept. I've talked to a lot of people about it and I... It's just you just think about things differently when your your stable person in your life almost dies. Um, and again, it's one of those things where like you really can't explain it to people because no matter how you explain it, they don't understand it. And and that's a really hard thing to come by, too, is like you talk to people about something like your dad dying and almost dying and you say like your emotions and then selfishly you're like but they don't get it like they you can't and then you think I shouldn't even talk about this to people because they don't get it and nobody can relate to me and so I really struggled with like opening up about it but slowly but surely I've come to come to the realization that people are going through things that nobody understands every day um, your life is different than so much different than everybody else's and you should be able to support people like they support you and love them no matter what they're going through and um, and whatever they're going through or whatever you're going through and so it's just about loving people and having the respect to try to understand them 
have you or any of your family members even met or talked to the driver of the SUV? Yeah. You have? Yeah. So I guess what was their perspective through all of this? I, all that I know about like the conversations that my dad and my mom had with the SUV driver, it was actually Tara and Dwayne's neighbor. So the the route that my dad and the three other people were riding in was around the area where Dwayne and Tara lived. And the lady was actually one of their neighbors. And um, she felt, obviously, very bad about it. And... But in the perspective of law and stuff, it was my dad's fault. He was the one who was recklessly biking. It was not a bike zone. Um, so my and my dad is not the person, the kind of man to be like, this is not my fault. Like, you know what I mean? So obviously my parents paid for the damages of the car. Um, he was, he felt very bad about damaging the lady's car, which is insane to even think about. Um, but when you think about the incident and my dad has talked to me about this multiple times, if that SUV wouldn't have been there, my dad would have gone straight into a tree and probably died Hmm. with the area that they were riding in. Um, there's a lot, there's, it's very wooded and... Um, honestly, the roads up there in the hills are not very safe or, like, contained. So, um, because of the momentum that he was going in, he was going maybe, like, 30, 35 miles per hour. And he would have smacked straight into a tree and instantly died. So, because of the vehicle taking the speed and velocity that my dad was going at it it probably saved his life that's crazy to think about yeah um so what has god taught you through all of this all of this pain with your family you know all of you know your mental thoughts just you know how it tears you down. What, like, what has he even taught you through this? I think just the whole thing about not loving the people around you. It's not, um, and it doesn't even have to be like a religious thing either. It's just knowing that you are surrounded by these people who you might not even see tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like you and me, we have completely... We've crossed paths multiple times. We are friends. We talk to each other whenever we see each other. But who knows what's going to happen to us once we leave this room. And being able to take um, your moments that you share with people and just make them good moments. Like, there's no point of being sad or mad at someone because, yes, they might infuriate you. And, like, they might be that person that just, like, drives you nuts. But just think about when they're gone. Like you have, you aren't, nobody knows what's going to happen. And it's, we all just really need to love each other and respect each other. And that like, that goes to all lengths of life. Um, because there's really, 
no point to being mad or sad. It just wastes energy when you can just be happy. Morgan, how can we pray for you? How can we pray for you, your dad, your entire family, your your family friends? Because honestly, there have been so many people that have been impacted by this story already because you guys have experienced it firsthand. How can we even begin to pray for you guys? I think just being able to pray for my dad. He is a person who has been the strength of our family um, he's constantly going through struggles that n- n- people don't face. He literally had his life taken away from him. Um, he had, he's had to learn how to become a new person. And I could, it's, it's a crazy concept to even think about. Like, you don't really realize how many things make you who you are until they're taken away. Like being able to walk or being able to brush your own teeth or putting in your contacts, putting on your own glasses. Like, my dad was stripped from that completely. And yes, it's been a year and a half, but most people who have a spinal cord injury, they don't, they're normally not even walking until six years later. And my dad is already doing that. So he has, it's crazy, the kind of mental strength and just the power that's been surrounded by him is amazing and also just to pray for my mom again her normal life was stripped from her she was a wife to two kids with a husband who provided for her who had a job working as a secretary for high school and now all of that has transitioned into a new life for her where she has turned into a nurse a woman that I've grown up with who literally is not the most, like, nurturing person, she has had to transform into a nurse. And she was not trained to be a nurse. She was trained to be a businesswoman. And she has had to sacrifice things that she probably never thought that she'd have to sacrifice. But because of her love for husband and for the love for family she's had to and that comes with so much respect but also so much strength in her so I know that every day is a struggle for her and it's it's really hard to see but at the same time I'm so thankful and I think about her every day when it comes to being the woman that she has to be so I think that just praying for my mom and dad would be great things for them. Well, we're definitely going to do that for sure. Thank you so much, Morgan, for joining me. I mean, this has really been an incredible story. So Thank you. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Rooted on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Uh, and remember, you can always listen uh, on our radio station, 105.5 WQHU, anytime, anywhere on the Radio FX app. Stay rooted, HU. 